we come to the last chapter of peter's letter and uh, as he concludes his writing to the churches uh, in asia minor he's been encouraging the church that are spread across the churches that are spread across asia minor he's been doing that with the promises of god during their suffering he's been <clears throat> assuring them by showing the triumph of christ through his suffering christ suffering and what peter has also been doing has he's been warning them by showing the justice of god the judgment of god on the unrighteous and those who fall away during suffering and now as he begins to conclude his letter he now again turns to the importance that the church plays in our suffering in our persecution in as we stand as as a believer he's been already doing that throughout the letter if you've noticed he's been time and again going back and just retreating how their relationship each of their relationship should be with the larger body of the church that they are part of how they are called to love one another how they are called to be united with one another how they are called to put away sins and he's been doing that time and again and another time peter comes back to that role that the church plays in our suffering in this passage what peter does is he gets more specific <clears throat> to the roles that are within the church and what he does he he explains how these roles have to be played out and how these roles need to be played out in order for them to be able to suffer and, and suffer well and endure through suffering so in our passage today peter talks to three groups of people first he speaks to the elders of the church verses 1 through 4 secondly he speaks to the members of the church in the first part of verse 5 and thirdly <clears throat> he speaks to all of them in the latter half of verse 5 so let that let's look at these instructions one by one for us to be able to understand them and what our roles are in the church and how our roles can help in us being able to suffer well he begins this passage verse 1 with a so right if you notice in your text he begins with a so which should which could which should cause us to look at the previous passage and recollect what is going on in that text peter has been telling them about the judgment of god right he spoke about the judgment which begins at the household of god which is for refining which is for purifying and helping them to to be refined purified disciplined and also the judgment which sifts through who a true believer is and who is not he spoken about that judgment and what this judgment also does is brings condemnation on the ungodly and the sinner so if the church of christ the household of god if it has to be kept amidst these trials how does god plan to care for this household 
the previous text, he said, if the righteous are scarcely saved, which, which, which means if they are saved through much difficulty, but how does God give them help, provision to go through these trials? Does he give any provision at all for us to go through these trials? The simple answer is, of course he does. He's given the provision of the example of Christ. He's time and again alluded back to what Christ did throughout his letter. So we have the provision of the example of Christ. We have the people of God, the church, the household of God. <clears throat> who stand united amidst trials and show love to one another. If you remember in the, in the previous passage, he just told them about the provision of the Spirit of Christ, who just like was abiding on Christ, is now with us to help us through these trials. But God doesn't end his provision with that. There's more. There's more provision that he wants us to see. And what... Peter reminds us in this text is that the provision that God has given the church are the elders who are given as gifts to the church. These elders in the plan of God have a high calling, have a specific role to play in helping the church wade through the waters of persecution and lead the church through those difficult times, the times of persecution, and help the church go through them. Help the church stand firm in the grace that has been given to us. So with that background, the background of God giving the provision of the elders to the church as a gift, let's go into the text and understand the calling that he gives to the elders to shepherd the church. Verse 5, sorry, verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. He says, he writes an exhortation. What's an exhortation? It's, it's just a, a strong encouragement, an urging. And what's he urging them, urging whom is he urging? He's urging the elders. He says, as a fellow elder. Peter, if you notice through the letter, he's not writing theoretical stuff. He's not writing theoretical, uh, just passing on theoretical knowledge. A lot of what he has gone through is what is coming out in his letter that he is writing. It's coming out of experience. And so here as well, <clears throat> he is making sure that his readers know who he is, what he's gone through. He's gone through, <clears throat> he's gone through perilous situations. He's gone through fiery trials. <clears throat> In many cases, he has failed miserably. And in certain cases, he has stood victorious. And then through all of that, <clears throat> Peter has those 
experiences that he's gone through and he's writing to this church and telling them, hey, I'm, <coughs> excuse me, I'm a fellow elder. I'm a fellow elder. And he exhorts them. I'm one with you with the same responsibility and I'm going through the same struggles. Not only was he a fellow elder, but he says he's a witness of the sufferings of Christ. He's seen how Christ suffered. When he wrote about the responses that we should have, when he talked about the conduct that we should have, he's seen it with his own eyes in Christ's life as he went through those trying circumstances. When Jesus stood for the faith, when he stood to do his Father's will, Peter saw what that looked like. And he reminds them, I was an eyewitness to the sufferings of Christ. Not only was he a fellow elder, not only was a witness of the suffering of Christ, but he's also a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Peter is just so sure about what he's writing. Just recall what he's been telling them. He's been telling them, Jesus went through suffering and that suffering preceded glory. And he's used that example and he's been encouraging this church to say that suffer well because there is a glory that awaits you. And even as he writes this exhortation to the elders, Peter is sure that there is a glory that awaits him. He's not writing distant truths. He's writing something that he is experiencing and he's assuring himself of what he will experience when Christ returns. And he says, I'm going to be a partaker in the glory that will be revealed when Christ returns. I too will see it for myself, what that glory will be like. And I will rejoice and I will be glad when that happens. After helping them see <clears throat> how he is in this, the suffering, the leading, the shepherding of the flock through that suffering, he now turns to his instruction and the command. And if you look at the instruction to the elders in verses 1 through 4, there is just one command in all these verses. There is just one command and all other instructions qualify this one command. And so what is that command? Shepherd the flock of God. He says, take care. Take care of God's flock. Like a shepherd takes care of his sheep, take care of them. Why? The flock need help. The flock need support. They need to be guided. And you elders are given the responsibility from God to take care of them. Especially at a time when attacks come. Especially at a time when there's suffering. And when that attacks come on the sheep, the sheep are helpless. Whom has God given the responsibility to lead, to protect, to safeguard? 
through those times, it is the elders. Not that the sheep have no responsibility to stand. Let me clarify. While the sheep are called not to stray, while the sheep are called to stand firm and stay within the boundaries that have been instituted, the elders are called to watch over them. They're called to provide oversight. Notice what he says. Shepherd the flock of God exercising oversight. As the flock goes through these fiery trials, as he's explained them, as they're being refined, as the judgment of God begins with the household of God and as they are going through this, who protects and who guides and who provides oversight? In God's provision, it is the elders who've been given as gifts to help. But there is a manner in which this shepherding needs to be done. It cannot be done based on the wishes of the shepherds. Just because they've been given the responsibility to provide oversight, they cannot do it the way they want to do it. There is a conduct which is fitting for the people in the kingdom of God. And so too, there is a conduct which is fitting for the one who is to help the sheep amidst perilous times and lead the people in the kingdom of God. And so he explains in the rest of these verses what that manner of shepherding should look like. Peter gives the elders three directives on how the conduct should be. Within each of these directives, you see a negative command and a positive command, just like it did in the previous passage. <clears throat> so what are those directives that he gives to the elders? First directive, shepherd the flock of God exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. This, this is not a role that is forced on someone. This is a role to which someone aspires and then is affirmed by the congregation. That is how you enter into this role. And even as you play this role, it should not be done under compulsion. This is a high calling and a position that needs men who can stand firm amidst persecution themselves and who can lead and protect the church through those times. And so this responsibility cannot be, should not be forced on anyone. But rather, it should be taken up willingly. Peter says, it is taken up willingly as God would have you. Because you have a love for the Lord. Just recall the time that <clears throat> Jesus had with Peter. The time that he spent with Peter after Peter's resurrection. Uh, Jesus' resurrection. In John chapter 21. Three times... Jesus instructed Peter, feed my sheep. He said something along the same lines. 
But what was the question that Jesus asked him all the three times before he gave this command to feed his sheep? Do you love me? Simon, do you love me? Do you love me? In other words, Jesus told him, if you love me, shepherd my flock. And that's the instruction that Peter is giving to his fellow elders. And he's saying, shepherd the flock of God willingly. If you love the Lord, take up this role, take up this task to shepherd his flock knowing that you've been placed by God, you've been gifted by God, you've been given as a gift to the church. Take up this role willingly and shepherd. So the question to us elders is this, do you love Christ enough that you take up this role willingly and serve gladly? Whenever our love grows, love for Christ grows cold, the grudging behavior begins. Oh, may we be found, may we not be found in that place. May we not compromise on our relationship with Christ because of the many things that we have to do. If we do, our love for Christ would turn cold and we will be going astray. And what is the result of that? We would be leading many astray if we don't love the Lord. May we be kept in the love of God. May we be soaking ourselves on His word, knowing Him more, captivated by His love, so that what overflows from our life to others is this love of Christ. And it would result and show in the way we willingly shepherd the flock of God. Not grudgingly, not under compulsion, but willingly shepherding his flock. Second directive that Peter gives to the elders, he says, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. The role of an elder is not for personal gain. It's not for money. It's not for propagating personal agendas. It's not to look good in front of others. It's not for man's applause. This role is for shepherding God's flock. This is Christ's church, not the elder's church. There is no room for selfish ambition here. Why is that so important for an elder? A person who takes up this role for his own gain would be the first one to scoot when trials come. When there isn't anything more for him to gain, he would be the first one out. When persecution arises, He's gone. How can he shepherd the flock of God and guide the church through the fiery trials? He can't even save himself. 
So the calling cannot be taken lightly. Even in the qualification that Paul gives to Timothy and Titus, in the letters that he writes to them, he's clear that an elder cannot be one who is greedy for gain, cannot be a lover of money, and his character should be one of above reproach. So the question for us elders is this, are we in any way looking for any form of shameful gain while we play our roles? It might not be the major issues of financial fraud or the desire to have a mega church or become super famous, but just the more subtle sense of feeling a sense of accomplishment, of looking for men's applause for our leading, for guiding and teaching, and basing our decisions on the fear of man. I must confess that this has been an ongoing struggle with sin for me. To not play my role as an elder in this church for man's applause, but for God. The fear of man has been captivating me time and again as I played my role as an elder. And I pray that God would preserve us elders of Cross Culture Church to be faithful and to not ever give into looking for personal gain which shames this God-ordained role. May we eagerly serve the church seeing that we are not in it for our own glory but for His glory, for His name to be glorified and lead the church in such a way that his wisdom is what is made known to the rulers and authorities and not our own wisdom. David Platt, he says this to the elders, may we not be pridefully concerned about what others think about us, but humbly consumed by what God has called us to do. May this be true of us elders in cross-culture church. Third directive, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. A person in authority can so easily be driven by his pride to abuse his authority. Peter says, not so an elder, not so a shepherd who has been placed as an authority over the sheep of Christ. The model that Christ has laid before us is a very different model than what you see in this world. Didn't he say to Peter and the disciples, when they were really excited that they were his disciples, that they were apostles, and they were busy arguing about who's the greatest, who's going to sit on the right and who's going to sit on the left. Didn't Jesus remind them in Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 to 28, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. 
it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus modeled it of what a person in authority should look like, how a person in authority should behave. And that's the model that is placed before the elders to be servant leaders, not to abuse authority, not to be domineering over the sheep, but to serve in humility, serve him faithfully. So again, the question for us elders is, is our lives worthy of emulation? Look at the positive command. Not dom domineering over them, but being examples to the flock. The elders have Christ as the example on how they have to use their authority. And the elders are called to lead the flock through their example. And so the question is, Elders, is our life worthy of emulation? Are we examples to the flock in our love for the Lord? Are we examples to the flock in our willingness to serve and not grow weary in serving others? In our church, in our spiritual disciplines, in our shepherding of our wives, in our upbringing of our children, in our witnessing to those around us, in our conduct, in our workplaces, in our handling of our conflicts and trials, in our personal holiness, do we lead the church by examples in these? May we not fail in this, lest we lead the flock of God astray. May we not just be preachers of God's word, but also men who practice and lead by examples. And so Peter gives them three directives and a final conclusion, a grand conclusion in verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. There is a chief shepherd who has placed the elders as under-shepherds. Remember, <clears throat> Jesus was the one who commissioned Peter to shepherd his flock. And this chief shepherd has appointed the elders and this chief shepherd will appear one day. And for those who have been faithful in leading their flock, Peter says, the reward is certain. They will receive that reward. They will receive the unfading crown of glory. The churches that he was writing to was under Roman influence. And the practice was <clears throat> people who had accomplishments in war or accomplishment in games, they received a leafy crown which was placed on their head. And that leafy crown could perish, it could fade over time. And Peter contrasts 
the crown that the elders receive for faithfully shepherding the flock of God. And he says, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. The inheritance that awaits is imperishable, undefiled, unfading. And it's not now. It's kept in heaven for you. That's what Peter has been reminding. And so it is for the elders. As they faithfully serve, they may not receive man's praise here, but it will be there in heaven when that final reward, when Christ returns. And so we look at that and take this task that God has given us to shepherd, not doing it grudgingly, not looking for gains here on this earth, not abusing our authority as elders, but fixing our eyes on that reward, the reward that will be ours when Christ appears. Let that be our motivation. While the command in these texts apply for elders, is there anything in it for the members? Verses 1 to 4. Yes, there is. By way of implication, there are things that you as members can do. Firstly, pray for the elders. Pray for them. The calling is a high calling. And there have been countless men who have fallen away, giving into the pleasures of this world, giving in to shameful gain. And church, we are prone to fall away too. We are prone to fall away unless God helps us, unless God keeps us. And for that, we need your prayers. Pray that we would be men of godly character. Pray that we would be zealous for the Lord and our love for Him would not run cold. Pray that we ourselves will stand during trials so that we can be an example for you as you go through trials so that you can be helped. We can provide oversight for you. Second, Look for men with these characters to be affirmed as elders. If you see anyone with these characters, with these qualities that Peter has just explained, let the elders know. When you evaluate men who would be brought in front of you to affirm as elders, let these qualities be your guide. Not your personal preferences, not your affinity to the candidate that is being brought before. Let God's word be your guide, not your emotions. We need men of character to lead the church. We need more and more of them. So be on the lookout for such men. Third, what can members do? Guard the church 
from sinful shepherds. If you notice any of the elders straying from this God-given role, be quick to point it out. Let us know. Rebuke us, if you will, for our sin. If you notice that we are serving in this office grudgingly for shameful gain or abusing our authority, let us know. And if we don't listen, bring two or three witnesses and let the other elders know. Let the sin be dealt with, lest the flock of God be misled. It's a high office, a high calling, and something that cannot be taken lightly. And so, if you see sin, bring it out in the open. Fourthly, what can members do, especially the men? Grow in your walk with the Lord. The work before us is a plenty, but the laborers are few. The task that we have in front of us is humongous, and we need men to rise up to be able to do this work before us. We need men not just to lead the flock that is here in Cross Culture Church. We need men who can be sent out so that churches can be planted and the gospel can reach the unreached places. We need more and more men to aspire for this office so that more elders can be raised up in this church, so that church planting can be a reality and more and more people can be reached, more and more people can be helped and protected amidst trials and persecution. And it's not just aspiring for this role that matters. Men, you need to put in the effort to grow. Grow in conviction. Get serious about reading. Get serious about studying God's word, meditating on his word. Grow in, in character. Get serious about your holiness. Live lives which are accountable and open. Spend time with the elders that you can grow in these qualities. There are more things which are caught rather than taught. So spend time with the elders. Grow in conviction, grow in character, grow in your competence. Get serious to find out about where your gifting is, what your gifting is. <clears throat> and use those giftings to serve the church. Just a simple way of starting is start reading the Bible with someone in the church. Don't be lazy, but get active, busy, and serve the church of Christ. Begin with serving your families first, serving them well, leading your wives, your children. And this would extend, as you do that faithfully, to the family of God. And as you do that more and more, what would be clear is your love for the Lord. What would be clear is your character. And what would be clear 
is your competence to teach and lead in the church. If you don't get active, if you don't get serious about reading your Bible and studying your Bible, none of this can be done. Men, grow up in, in your walk with the Lord. Wives, spur your husbands on to grow in these qualities. Don't nag them, but through your godly conduct and gracious speech, encourage them to pursue these. Let's get it straight. Not everyone is called to be an elder or a deacon in the church. Everyone has a role to play. God has given each of us different giftings. We are all members of the same body. And none of us are unwanted in this church. None of us are useless. God uses each and every one of us. And so may each of us be eager to serve in whatever giftings that he's given us, even the women. God has placed you and given you gifts to serve. And so may we be active in finding out what those gifts are and using them well for the sake of the church, for his glory, so that all of us can together grow and glorify his name. So these are the things which the members can do as an implication of what Peter calls on the elders to do in verses 1 through 4. But notice, there is also a direct command to the members in the church. In the first half of verse 5, he says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. His, his use of the word younger is just a play on words. He's addressed the elders in verse 1, and now as he turns to the rest of the congregation, he's now just addressing them as the youngers. And notice the command. There's just one command. Be subject. Just like he called the citizens who were under the authority of the governors, just as he called the slaves who were under the authority of the masters, and just as he called the wives who were under the authority of the husbands, so too he calls the younger the members in the church to be subject to the elders in the church. And as we've seen, this submission is not something that is forced on anybody. It's a voluntary submission that you bring yourself under that authority. And so too here, the members bring themselves under these God-given authorities and you play your role in this relationship. So members recognize that God has given these men, the elders, as gifts to the church to lead you. And you bring yourselves in submission to their teaching, to their counsel. And as they provide godly biblical instructions, pay heed and obey. As the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 13, 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as though who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would, have, that would be of no advantage to you. 
Make it a joy for your elders to shepherd you, not a burden. If we are to provide oversight and, and shepherd you, we need to first know what is going on in your lives. When you are asked how you are doing, don't give one-liners or I'm fine. It doesn't help. Don't expect us to prod through your life, have some secret knowledge about what's going on in your life, ask specific questions before you bring up things that are important for your soul. Running away, pushback, hiding, giving half-truths, none of these are helpful as you play your role as members and for us to play our roles as elders and provide oversight for your souls. <clears throat> Make it a joy, not a burden for the elders. Open up and share what might be important in caring for your souls. You know what is best. You know what is going on in your life. One of the reasons we practice membership is so that the elders know whom they are to give an account for, whom they are to provide oversight for, and whom they have to guard. And how we go about doing that is assigning of primary care elders for each member in this church. Make sure you take out time to meet with your primary care elder and let them know what is going on in your lives. Let them show areas of sin in your life. Let them show areas that you need to grow in. And when they do, obey. You're called to submit. Unless, unless the instruction that they are providing you that we are providing you is unbiblical and is against God's word. So there's a role for the elders to play. There's a role for the members to play. And both these roles cannot be played unless there is a posture of the heart which Peter brings our attention to in the latter half of verse 5. He says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but give, gives grace to the humble. Unless each of us clothe ourselves with humility, we will not be able to play these roles. Be it the elders, be it the members. Just think, if the elders are filled with pride and thinking about themselves in their serving, their serving is gonna be a disservice to the church. If the members are proud and if they think that they are fine by themselves and they can manage their life on their own, the elders cannot play their roles effectively, which in the end would be disastrous for the sheep. Pride, dear friends, can destroy any relationship, especially relationship within the church relationship between the elders and the members. So the call and the instruction for all of us is, humble yourselves, humble yourselves. 
Peter warns us with this quote from Proverbs 3 in verse 34 and he says for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble know your role in God's design if you are a member submit yourself to the men that God has placed over you and given as a gift to you if you're an elder know that you are only an under shepherd to the chief shepherd who has appointed you over his flock under shepherds are to care for the flock the way that god cares for his people and notice it is the great shepherd who is leading all of us be it the members be it the elders it is the great shepherd who has created us who has purchased us with his own blood and who has given us all the provision that we need in order to stand firm in the grace that he has given and it is the great shepherd who is leading us and will keep us till the end we are his sheep and may we recognize his authority over all of us and humble ourselves before him marvel dear friends at god's care for you just imagine if he has left us on our own in these trying times if we had to figure out what we need to do if we had to go through times of persecution by ourselves without any provision where would we stand marvel at his gentle care marvel at his powerful protection marvel at his patient attention to his people's diverse needs especially amid suffering be amazed at the depths of god's tender compassion that the one who holds the galaxies in his hands he also stoops down to tend and care for his sheep the sheep who are too weak even to walk god has not abandoned us during suffering god has been so merciful and compassionate to make a way for his people to be cared for and he's provided enough and more provision for us to be able to stand and so dear friends may we use these provisions that he's given us well and use it for his glory may god help us